Good morning, everybody. Yay. Please have a seat. We still have some really good rows down here. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody, and thank you for coming. Um, welcome to Design Matters. I'm just going to give the last ones a couple of seconds to settle in, but it seems like we are, we're almost there. 
All right. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Design Matters. My name is Ingrid. I'm one of the arrangers, the organizers of this conference, and I'm super, super happy to be here. And I'm very excited to meet all of you, all the speakers, all the audience, and spend two days with you here at Talbot. So why are we here? Um, well, of course, we think that design matters. It really, really, really matters a lot. It matters in everything we surround ourselves with in our daily lives. It matters in the little things that provide us with function. And not the least, it matters in the devices and screens we look at a million times a day. We wouldn't look at them if they weren't well designed, would we? So, how does great design happen? Well, uh, often it evolves a little bit like this, like the refrigerator example here. Step by step, each, each, each new version a little bit better than the previous one. Better, better aesthetics, better technology, perhaps a better price. One improvement at the time. And for each improvement, a bit more value is created for the, for the user or the customer. Uh, the users uh, start using the products in slightly new ways. Uh, they get a little bit more empowered. They feel that they, they get a little bit more comfort. Suddenly there's a cup holder. But fundamentally, the product is the same and the market evolves gradually, step by step, without really changing radically. And this step-by-step -step innovation or design is usually oft, uh, referred to as sustaining innovation. You probably all know that. But then, sometimes products change our ways radically. They disrupt our usual ways of thinking, of acting, of socializing, of behaving. And that's called disruptive innovation. Pow! As you probably all know, because otherwise you probably wouldn't be here, but I'll tell you anyways, is that disruptive innovation, it changes the market that it, that it you know, gets to, or it creates an entirely new market. It changes industries, it changes sectors, it puts people out of work, it destroys companies, and it creates new ones. We often see that entirely new players emerge in the field that was long occupied by old companies and corporations. To give you a kind of a fun old example, I'd like to talk about uh, this picture. It's taken around year 900 in a town called Hudson, two hours north of New York City. Uh, it's by the river, the Hudson River, that also flows through New York City. Uh, around the year 1900, there was a large and thriving ice industry in Hudson. Uh, workers in the winter time would go to the river and ice fields, and, uh, and they would pick up blocks of ice and they would store it in ice houses, just like you see there along the river. So in the spring and in the summer, they would ship down those ice blocks to New York City uh, for the ladies to, to, to use in their, I don't know, their drinks or <laughs> their, their food closets, uh, and they would bring it on boats. So it would just kind of get ice from upstream down to New York City all through the summer. But then, of course, as thing had to be, in the 1920s, the refrigerators started to come. And uh, suddenly, uh, they, 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 they limited the need for ice from Hudson. So refrigerators disrupted and killed the ice industry in Hudson. That was in the old days. 
This is also in a bit of the old days. But then, <clears throat> when in 1992, the World Wide Web came, uh, that disrupted, I'd say, practically every market for sharing and reaching information. It also disrupted our ways of, of shopping, of dating. I mean, the list is endless. And then in 2000, and, let's say, seven, thank you, <laughs> 2007, when the first user-friendly smartphone came, I'd say, uh, that made the internet mobile. And this, these things have changed so many ways, uh, our ways of beha behaving and acting. It's changed so many markets. And currently, I have the feeling that in the digital world, disruption happens more than ever. So, what about disruption and design? Is design the key factor in disruption? Of course, price and technology are essential. But so is design, because if design wasn't there, would the disruption really happen? I'm not really sure. Because we all know that users want to change their behavior if they get a user-friendly, attractive, pleasurable product. And that's all due to design. A great example is this one, the Nest thermostat. I've never used it, but I've heard so much about it. It's supposed to make people use a thermostat in very complex ways that they never have before. People that have never had a behavioral pattern related to thermostats suddenly start doing things they haven't done before. That's, that disrupted that market, or it will maybe, because it's not that outspread in Denmark in it yet. The Fitbit wristband, that created an entirely new market. It's not that people weren't tracking their, their steps and the activity before, but it was very, very limited. Suddenly it became a mass market. So that disrupted that whole industry in just creating something new that wasn't there before. People would track their, their activity, track their, their steps, uh, and, and that was just uh, only for, for the very few before that. And who knows if we in the coming years or even months would see industries getting disrupted by this little fella, the Apple Watch. It just might. <clears throat> this conference brings together some smart and talented people that all contribute to changing the way we act and behave and think by creating great product. Common for them is that they, uh, they do something that actually disrupts our ways in some way or the other. And they do that in the way of designing something so well done that we actually would want to use it. And without that really great design that they're creating, I'm not really sure that disruption would happen as it did or as it is. We call them game changers. And you know, the industries that are being changed and being disrupted as we speak, or, or you know, the couple of last couple of years, they're probably also well known to you, and that's probably also why you're here today. But let me just bring up a few examples anyways. We don't really stay in hotels anymore, at least not when we go to New York, um, because we go with Airbnb. Right, Chris? <laughs> And of course, we don't do any international phone calls anymore because you're stupid if you don't do Skype instead. In Denmark, we don't call a taxi anymore. Actually, we still go with taxis because Uber is not here. But we don't call a taxi anymore. We don't sit in line and all these things. 
because we just use a little nice app called Driver. And do you remember standing in, in the line in the bank to transfer money to people? It might be a bit, a bit a while ago, but everybody in Denmark uses mobile pay now. And these guys, remember them? The marketing team. <laughs> I'm sorry about the photo. Uh, I think they look like a marketing team. Totally. We don't need them anymore because it's so easy to use MailChimp for your next mail campaign that we can just do without them. And last but not least, we don't have to guess anymore when to and when not to because women just use Clue. And that's just a few of the game changers we're going to meet for the next two days. They're going to talk about the products and how they're designed uh, and make the, make the choices that create great experiences. They'll talk about how they change people's behavior, one design decision at the time. And I'm really looking forward to hearing everybody and listening to all the great speaks and to make sure that that goes exactly as planned. I'd like to introduce our conference here for this conference. Her name is Helle Martens. She's a UX designer. She's worked in the industry in Denmark for many years. She was a part of Nokia when Nokia was ruling the mobile phone industry in the world. And for the last four months, she's been working her ass off organizing this event. So please give her a very warm welcome. Hello. Very warm welcome, Helle Martens. Thank you. Is this working? Yes, this is yours. <laughs> it's Chris's. Sorry, thank you so much, everybody. It's not just me, it's still here. Um, Ingrid and Michael had a big part of this too, and we've had a blast doing this. I'm so amazed at all the people here. Even, I mean, this list of speakers is amazing. We've got um, just incredible speakers, incredible that everybody here came here today. We really appreciate, appreciate everything. Thank you. Um, and thank you to our sponsors. We have One.com, who not only flew in um, Skype, Ross Smith from Skype, um, they've also given you all a year free hosting, if you can use that. It's in your notebook. There's a green notebook with a little sticker on it. Um, thank you to Pentia and Operate and Think Digital for hosting workshops. We're doing those tomorrow. And thanks to 23, this entire session, is the whole, the whole conference is being recorded. And since we are already recording, we have a surprise for you. We're actually streaming live. Hi, Mom. <laughs> so um, share this link with your colleagues if you would like. Now I'm two slides behind. And um, this has also just been sent to your emails if you'd like. Um, thank you to Axure and Balsamic and Lomax, who've all provided merchandise and sponsorships. And thank you to Proto.io, who have generously given each of us a 60-day trial. And they've actually also given us uh, two free one-year um, subscriptions. And we'll be competing about those. We're having a little competition. So if you hashtag your photos on Instagram, we'll have two winners, one today and one tomorrow, for the best Instagram picture. We have a jury. So um, if you're interested in a Proto.io one-year subscription, please go ahead and tag your photos. Um, practical information. This is our hashtag. Um, there's a wardrobe where he came in. I'm sure you've all seen it. Um, it's only us on the premises, so there's nothing to worry about, even though it's not guarded. Toilets are either up here on your, on your right or out by the wardrobe. Um, the weather's fantastic today, thank goodness. So we're having lunch outside in this area, 
but this area is only going to be opened up for lunch and if we're going outside otherwise we need to use this area out here um, also if you've signed up for our speakers dinner tonight you'll notice a little clip on your tag if you're missing that please talk to Michael young fellow over here <laughs> and he'll help you and if you haven't signed up yet, we still have a few tickets left, and that's also Michael you need to talk to. Now, um, I'd also like to introduce you to our other helpers. We've got Michael, Ingrid, myself. If you need help, please talk to either Vicki. She's over here behind you. Hi, Vicki. And Mia. And we have another Mia who's coming later. And we've also got Katerina. I'm sure you noticed her at the entry. She had long blonde hair. Beautiful lady. I don't know where she is, but anyway, any of these people will help you with anything you need. Um, we've also set up a lounge area um, in case any of you need to break out and work. There are electrical outlets out here, places to sit either out by the wardrobe, this little area by the bar, or in the back room. You can also break out if you need to. So now I'd like you all to find a person in your vicinity that you don't know and just introduce yourself and spend two minutes, five words or so, explaining to them why you're here. Please go ahead. <laughs> I need to do an introduction of you first, though. Okay. Okay, was that about two minutes? It sounded like a lot more than five words. I'm going to need to ask everybody. Your minutes are up. <laughs> okay, excellent. Thank you. I'm going to ask everybody to please remember what you just said and then fill that out in our survey after the conference, please. Um, we'll be sending the link out tomorrow, and we'll also be sending a link to um, all of the recordings that we have today. So, the program today, we have today, we have Airbnb, Plan Day, and Volvo before lunch, and we're having a wonderful lunch outside. After lunch, we're running a fast-paced one-hour session with three new startups, uh, followed by mobile pay, and then afternoon coffee and cake. Our afternoon is going to be really intense. We've got Driver, BBC 23, and Spotify. And after each of the presentations, there'll be room for a short Q&A. And now I'd like to talk about our first presenter, Chris, Chris Monier of Airbnb. Chris and I have a lot in common. We're both mechanical engineers who ventured into UX. We have both lived in Denmark and in California, and we both have a son named Oliver. Awesome. <laughs> Chris calls himself user experience generalist, and he has extensive experience in all areas of many aspects of UX. He's been with Airbnb as a UX researcher for about a year. Before that, he actually worked for Novo Nordisk Scout here in Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, doing re design research and facilita facilitating innovation. He loves turning complex challenges into enjoyable user experiences. All the way from San Francisco, please give a warm welcome to Chris Monia. 
Hello. Okay. Is that appropriately loud or quiet? It's good volume. Okay. Okay. No. That's it. All right, cool. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so um, I work at Airbnb. Specifically, I work on the growth team, which is like a sub part of Airbnb, uh, which I'll get into uh, as I go through this. Um, like Alice said, I'm a user researcher, so I'm not a designer. We have awesome designers at Airbnb. There's like 50 of them. Uh, we have a team of like 12 user researchers. I'm one of them. Uh, so this talk covers, uh, it's, it's sort of coming at it from the research angle and how research influenced the design that was done by the awesome designers. So uh, like everything that you see in here is a total team effort. Uh, I'm just sort of representing it. So just an overview of what I'm going to talk about. Hopefully you can read that. Um, this is one of like the Airbnb brand colors, which is why I used it, so despite the bad contrast. Um, <laughs> looks better on my screen. Uh, so I'll just go through a quick background of, of, of what I mean by the growth team at Airbnb. The process that we use, the, like the product development process, uh, just a quick like behavior change model, just like just to sort of provide some context for a couple of case studies that I walked through of like actual designs that just got launched, like I don't know within the past couple months. Um, definitely feel free to ask questions throughout. Like, don't worry about interrupting me. Um, there'll probably be time at the end for questions too. Um, but if, if something doesn't make sense or you can't read it because of my poor contrast, <laughs> let me know. Um, all right, so background on the growth team. So um, what is growth? Uh, and isn't it all growth? Like, like what, why is there a growth team? Like, when I first started Airbnb, I heard there was a growth team, and I didn't really know, like, why. Like, I was like, but aren't we all trying to grow the business? Like, especially a startup, like, what's the deal? Um, the difference is that most teams at Airbnb are focused on bookings or nights booked. That's the main metric. Like, that's how we judge as a company. That's how we judge whether, whether um, we're on the right track. Um, but uh, the growth team's key metric is the number of registered users. So, like, in a nutshell, we're just focused on sign-ups. We want to get more people into the top of the funnel. We use this, like, funnel metaphor. Um, more people into the top, and then it's other teams' responsibility to sort of, like, convert them into people that actually, like, book a room. So um, having being on the growth team and having our, our metric be sign-ups is really interesting because it frees us up to work on parts of the experience that otherwise would fall through the cracks. Um, so some of those things are like uh, referrals. So it's like if you share, if you refer someone, you both get $25. Uh, engagement emails, that's like if you are on a page and you almost book, but you don't, and you get an email suggesting that you should. Um, <laughs> viral sharing, so that's like sharing through Facebook, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, WeChat, whatever is relevant in your country. Um, search engine optimization, so that's just making sure people can find us on Google. Uh, and then also some like bigger picture stuff like group travel planning, which I won't talk about today. Maybe I'll talk about that next year uh, if I come back. Who knows? Um, anyway, uh, so like I don't know if you've seen the, the growth. The growth teams in general have this reputation, um, like whether it sort of started at Facebook, this idea of like a growth team, and there's this reputation that they have of, uh, of being very like tactile and sort of not uh, tactical and not focused on like the holistic user experience. And it's something we really try to be different at, at Airbnb. Um, this is a quote by, by Brian Chesky, one of the co-founders and the CEO, which is, love creates growth, not the other way around. And we, so in other words, we try to, we're not trying to like um, 
just get some short-term gain at the expense of like long-term love. Uh, everything we do on the growth team is is sort of in the larger context of trying to make a better product for people, something that people love for the long term. Um, so this is process up here. Uh, I'm just going to walk through the process quickly. Um, all right, so this is like a typical like uh, or like software development organization, maybe general product development organization. Um, if you can't read it, it says data science, uh, which is like a team of like analytics people. Experience research, user research, that's me. We have content strategy people, um, people that write the words. Experience design, that's like a typical UX designer. Uh, production design, they make it pixel perfect. And then engineering. So we have this broad team, and usually those people like report into like a product manager who's sort of steering the ship. Um, at Airbnb, everyone is like, just the culture of the organization is that like everybody talks to everybody, and it's one of the essential, one of, one of the reasons why a lot of the things that I talk about in this are able to happen in like, like a day or two, like we just are so cross-linked that whenever an interesting idea comes up, we're able to really act on it quickly. Um, okay, so um, just a quick model of behavior change. Is anybody familiar with this BJ Fogg model? Has anybody seen it? Um, so it's, it's just a pretty simple model, but I think it's really powerful. So on this axis, there's motivation, like wanting to do something. And over here, there's ability, how, like how easily it can be done. And the idea is that if, you, if you're on the other side of this curve, if you're over here, then if you're triggered and you have enough motivation and enough ability, then you'll do whatever the trigger is sort of asking you to do. Um, so you can sort of think of it in two ways. Like in one, on one hand, uh, if, you want, if you want someone to do something, you have motivation and ability, you can either, if say like here, you can either increase the ability, so just make it easier in the product. It's like a usability change or um, just making something more discoverable. Uh, otherwise, look over here, you can uh, increase motivation. So you can make people want to do it more or uh, give them uh, an incentive to do it. Uh, or you can, of course, do both. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is just a quick case study that, that talks about like a simple change that increased ability but had a pretty dramatic effect on stuff. Um, so in this project, the goal was to increase the number, the number of times that a listing, that's like a, a place you can stay, a listing gets shared. So we want, we want people to, to share listings with their friends, maybe help them plan a trip, uh, or maybe post it to Pinterest or Twitter just to get like general attention to Airbnb. Uh, and here's what we did. So, uh, this is, this is, uh, on Airbnb, like you click on a listing and then there's like this photo, these big pictures. You can click through the photos. Um, uh, and then this is like the rest of the page. Then there's, oh my gosh, there's like, uh, this is like a bunch of text which describes uh, <laughs> the listing. Uh, if you can't read it, it's like it has like things like guest access and like house rules. And sometimes people write like huge paragraphs of like what you can do on a listing. Um, but we wanted to see how people were like using this page um, for a variety of reasons. But one of, one of the things was like just to understand like where people's attention was. So. Um, I did some user research. This is uh, this is Skype. Um, it's at Airbnb. It's cool because we have like we have this database of like millions of users, so we can easily reach out to people um, uh, and ask them if they're planning a trip, and then do like studies with them. Sometimes we do it in person. Sometimes we do it remotely. In this case, it's remotely. This guy is in the UK. I'm in San Francisco, um, and he's just sharing his screen. And basically, the task I gave him, which I wanted to see how he did, 
was like look for a listing like where are you going on vacation it was somewhere in the in scotland uh and then show me like listings for that like show me show me how you would go about finding interesting listings i just wanted to see where he was focusing attention focusing his attention um and so i did that with like a variety of users and then came up with this overall sort of understanding of of how people use that page we call it p3 it's also called it's the listing profile page um, and this is sort of the general pattern that emerged from that research. So the first thing, everybody everybody looks at the photos. Like, it's like just the first thing, of course, these big, nice, juicy pictures. Uh, and then after that, people tend to skip past all that text down to the reviews. Um, they want to know if it's, like, actually a good place. It looks like it's good. What, is, what do the other people say about it? And then they go over to the price. These are sort of like the three. So photos, reviews, price. <clears throat> we found that that generally in that order, of course, not always, but generally that's what people... Are interested in when they when they hit that page. So, um, yeah, everybody looks at the photos. Uh, so we thought like that's that's where people's eyeballs are. Like if we want people to share, uh, let's put sharing there. One thing I forget to mention. So like this is this is that page. We have sharing options on this page. It's like uh, you can send an email, you can send it to Facebook, you can uh, tweet it, you can embed it, you can do whatever you want. Um, but that's on that part of the page. The problem is as this diagram shows, like, people might not even get over there, or if they do, they're like, they don't look here, they look here, they look at the price. So we're like, okay, we, we just want people to share, so let's put it in front of their eyeballs. Um, so we just made this little change where we put, like, before this didn't exist, and then we put, like, some, some simple sharing options up here. Same icons, email, Facebook, whatever. Um, uh, that's just a zoomed-in picture of it. And the results were... Pretty impressive. So just putting those icons on that screen resulted in like a 20% increase in the number of people that share the listings. Uh, so it's just like a pretty basic example of how by making it just a little bit easier, by increasing ability just a little bit, we like changed uh, behavior quite dramatically. 20% um, is like a pretty good jump uh, for Airbnb. Um, any questions about that? It was pretty straightforward, I guess. Um, all right, so now this is like a juicier one, a more interesting one, I think. This is, this is about increasing both motivation and ability um, to do something that's even harder than just getting people to share. Um, so, yeah, so like one of the things I mentioned was viral sharing. Like we're trying to get people to share uh, both content on Airbnb, but also like the, the trips that they book. Uh, specifically, we want to get, like if you're going on a group trip with like five people, we want you to uh, to share your itinerary with the people you're traveling with. Uh, there's very like practical reasons for this. Like, like it's good for your your co-travelers, we call them, to know where, where they're going to be going. They probably want to know that. Um, and and for us, like selfishly, it's 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 an opportunity for like all those co-travelers to get an email on which there can be a call to action for you to sign up. So it's like so like benefits everybody. Um, and specifically, it's like a, it's an interesting tactic to get signups. So we want to increase the number of co-travelers. Um, this is this is a page uh, that that you hit after you make a reservation or after you make a request for a reservation. You can't really tell, but there's a bunch of form fields here. So it says like add the other guests, and there's a bunch of like text boxes for you to type in the other guest names, uh, and another one down here. Um, this was like a pretty ugly page, and we wanted to improve. Both, both like the aesthetics of it, because we thought maybe that'll just make people engage with it more, but also like 
provide people with an incentive to actually do what we want them to do on this page. This page, as it is designed right now, it was just like arbitrary. It doesn't have really any intention behind it. So we did um, something pretty cool. So uh, there's this tool called Ethneo, which is a really great way. Like if you have a website at all, even if even if the products you make are not like uh, like digital products, like Nova Nordisk, for example, you guys could use this. Um, <laughs> if you put it on a website. Um, so this tool called Ethneo is really cool. It's just this little thing that like slides up uh, and uh, and it just says, penny for your thoughts, blah, 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 blah. Do you want a $500 gift card? People are like, yeah, sure. And they click this button. Um, maybe you've seen this on websites. Usually it just, it's like a thing that pops up really annoyingly in the middle um, and like you always dismiss it. But this sort of clever implementation just, just puts it a little out of people's way and actually gets like a fair amount of clicks. So this is like a good way to intercept people right in real time when they hit this when they hit this page, <clears throat> which is super important for getting the right context of like the mindset that people are, are that people have when they hit this page. So anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, we, we intercepted people with Ethneo to like fifteen hundred people, which takes about a day uh, on Airbnb because of the response rate of that. And then just gave them a survey and asked them. What are your thoughts on adding the names and email addresses of the people traveling with you to your itinerary? It was a super open-ended thing. We weren't trying to like funnel it towards any particular solution. It was just an easy way to understand broadly like people's uh, opinions <clears throat> of this task, which we wanted them to do. We wanted them to add names and email addresses. We just wanted to know how they felt about it. Um, so like a bunch of responses that like open-ended responses that I just read through and then coded uh, into just specific categories. <clears throat> and the three top ones, the three that stood out the most were um, like, what are your thoughts on doing this? It's good because I get to share listing details. It's good because I can coordinate and stay, keep my other, my friends in the loop. And it's good because it's easier, uh, for some people at least, it's easier to send the emails right there as opposed to waiting until you get the email and then having to remember, blah, blah, blah. So these seemed like really promising value propositions. We thought, oh, cool, we'll just we'll like amplify those, maybe tell people uh, about the benefits of this, and then it'll work great. So we totally redesigned the page. Um, we added, um, we changed the way that you enter email addresses. You can't really tell, but it's similar to like um, Google Calendar, where there's like just one row you hit add, and then every name you add just shows up down here. So instead of individual text boxes, we just had uh, like one one text box, and then like whatever names you added showed up down there. We added a like a big paragraph box for adding a message because because we saw in the survey that people uh, liked to coordinate with their friends and we thought, well, cool, we'll give them a message box and they can like type out like, hey, this is a cool place we booked. Uh, excited to see you here. Um, and then there's another link down here for um, letting other people know. So just to <laughs> compare the two, uh, this is the old one <laughs> in its great detail. Um, so like this is just a bunch of text boxes that are not very like beautiful. This is like updated with like Airbnb brand colors. Uh, the blue things are just notes for me. They're not actually on the page. But like these nice, like this is like a brand color. Um, and we have like the right font. It just looks generally nicer. So we were super excited when we launched this. We're like, this is going to be great. Like people are going to love it. They're going to add. Everyone's going to add their code travelers. Uh, not at all. <laughs> totally wrong. Like you can't tell, but like this is zero. <laughs> and we went from uh, whatever it was, like 20 some percent to like just dropped off a cliff and we were like, what the heck? Like we totally, we had it right. Like we, we asked people what, why they did this. And we, we, we just were totally like befuddled. Um, but, but we, we, we didn't give up, of course. <laughs> we 
we had to figure out what was going on. It was, it was just amazing that we could like through that little change of the of the user interface just completely move the metrics in the wrong way. But it was still interesting that they moved so much. Um, so we did some like heuristic analysis just to see like what the deal was with the page, and we saw a couple things that were like that stood out as like oh maybe this is why like so maybe this slick uh, Google Calendar style implementation actually was like too slick. And maybe it's better to just have like text boxes for each name because that's actually a pretty strong affordance uh, for for adding for just adding stuff. If you see text boxes, I think the general expectation is like I should fill those text boxes. And we took that away, and then people I think didn't know what to do. Um, the other big thing is so we're like we had this message box which we felt so strongly about, but then it just was not working well. So we're like, is, is, it, is the message box the problem? What's the deal? So we did more um, research via Ethneo. So we intercepted people on this page. Uh, and this time just did live interviews. This is like the coolest part of Ethneo. It's like an ad for Ethneo, but I, we love it. It's awesome. Um, like the cool part is like you get that little like slider pop-up thing in the corner and then you can, you can put whatever you want in it. So we put like, uh, hey, do you have time to talk right now for 15 minutes? You get a $25 Amazon gift card. Just give us your name and phone number. And a lot of people did, and the cool, and then you can just call them immediately. Um, so, uh, like, so like two minutes after they see this on the website, you're talking to them, uh, which is like, it's like perfect for getting just the right context of like, because we could we could talk to them like a day or two later, but they wouldn't remember. Wait, what, I don't even remember this page. What do you mean? But but this way we could intercept them right as they were going about this task, which is super cool. So anyway, I did that, and I, I, I talked to people. And I asked them, like, we just showed them this prototype. What do you think about this message field? We realized that people were totally confused by that message field. They didn't know if it was a message that would be sent to the host, because this is a picture of the host over there. Um, and the previous page, like when you make a reservation, there's a big message box to send a message to the host. So, like, it was just generally confusing. Um, so putting all that together, we thought we need to dramatically simplify this whole thing. Uh, this is like an Airbnb jargon thing, but what's the one thing for this page? Like, we, we realized we were trying to, we were asking like three different things of people, like, uh, send this to your co-travelers, add a message, uh, here's, uh, your host's information. It was just like, well, overwhelming, and people, I think, were getting, were hitting the page, getting super confused, and then just, like, bouncing, which is why we saw the huge negative spike. Um, so we thought, what's the, what's the one thing that, that this page is all about? We went back to this data, and the, like the, the next thing, we had, which we didn't try, was uh, a lot of people mentioned this. And this was just really interesting because we didn't ask. The question was, what are your thoughts on adding the names and email addresses of the people traveling with you to your itinerary? We didn't mention anything about the host. But like on their own, a lot of people um, brought up that it's, well, it's good for the host to know. And we didn't even mention the host. And the host actually doesn't get those names or didn't at the time. Um, but people brought it up on their own. So there was like, there, we realized that there was like this expectation that hosts would, well, it's only fair. Like, we're staying in their home. Like, they should know not only who I am, but also who my co-travelers are. That's, that's only fair. Um, so that seemed really interesting. We thought, well, let's try that. Let's go with that. Um, we dug into it a little bit more. I did another survey on Ethneo. It's just like magic. You can just do whatever you want, whatever you want it. Uh, so if you're ever on Airbnb, there's like a decent chance you're going to see this <laughs> Ethneo tool because I'm like always using it. Anyway, uh, the survey, are you okay with telling your host the, the contact information that people are traveling with? Overwhelmingly positive, like 92%. At least said it was okay to share the first name, which is all we really want. Um, 
to give to the host. So we, we realized, okay, I think we're onto something. Like, there's something about, uh, about this idea of sort of transparency and sharing information with your host that maybe people will respond to. Maybe that can increase motivation um, to get them to change. So we sketched out an idea of how we can make this page all about informing the host who's coming. Like, let's make that the one thing of this page. That's like the job of this page is, like, people are going to hit this page, and it's not necessarily like, hey, um, be extra convenient and, and send this information to your co-travelers because that's a nice thing to do. Instead, we said, like, you should send this information to your host because they want to know. And, like, and then there's, like, like down here it says, like, also your co-travelers are going to copy this email. Um, so this is what the, the redesign looks like. Um, if anybody wants to see the details of this, just, like, find me later. I can show you, like, what, what, the, what the details actually look like. You can't see it here. Um, Anyway, so remember, like, this old, uh, this one is a text box, text box, text box, and this actually performed pretty well. Like, oh, I forgot to mention, so um, all of this is, like, I showed that graph where, like, it just dove. That's because, that was, like, in the experiment. So anybody that works in software probably knows this, but other people, um, we do these things called A-B tests where um, you'll launch something in, like, half the number, like, half the users in the world, and the other half get the control. So when we launched the original page, this was the control, and then the new page was the one that just like went horrible. Um, so so this one actually did okay. Like A versus B, if this one's A, A did okay compared to B, which is horrible. Um, so then we but then we felt pretty good about this one, which was very host-centered. Tell John, that's the host. Tell John who's coming. We put in back back in those text boxes to make it look like a form. Got rid of the message field because that just added confusion. And it doesn't really make sense if your story is tell the host who's coming because on the previous page, you just told the host why you're coming. There shouldn't be another message here. So we got rid of the message. Um, yeah, cut some other stuff over there just to make it look nice. Um, so anyway, this if this is A versus B, then we we did we launched it, did an experiment. Luckily, like it worked. So like so like if this is the this is the bad one. Then, like, we totally recovered plus some um, with that redesign. So, like, it was, <laughs> like, we felt much better after we got to this point because we're like, okay, like, the process actually works. Like, it wasn't just dumb luck. Um, uh, and, and, and anyway, so, like, next steps are to continue along with this, this host-centered framing um, because, like, in hindsight, we didn't think of this at the time, but, but as I was doing this presentation, like, um, if you think about this idea of increasing motivation or is increasing ability, like, um, putting, making this look like a form uh, that, and, and getting rid of unnecessary fields like this paragraph box, that, that, that increases ability. It makes it easier. It makes it, at, least, at least it makes it less, like, daunting. It's like, oh, I just have to fill out a couple boxes. So that increases ability. But the trickiest part of this, which we already had, like, this, uh, this was okay. Like, that, that was a very, like... Um, Ability was well enabled on this one. But this one's cool because we, we kept the ability, but by leveraging an outside, like an external pressure, in this case, the host, we can increase motivation. So like the previous attempts for increasing motivation just didn't work at all. And they were all, it's because they were all like internally focused, it was like, you should do this basically out of the goodness of your heart. Like you should share, you should give this to your code travelers because it's easy. And you should do this because they'll like it. But but that didn't add anything new to the conversation. This does because it says, like, you should tell John who's coming because John wants to know. And John's a person. And you should, you should be nice to a person. 
And it's someone else. So like, you should do this for John, not for you or for even you for your co-travelers, but do it for John. And there's just this natural empathy on Airbnb, which is like the secret sauce of why the whole thing works. Um, you see a human, you're like, oh, I'm going to stay at John's place. I don't want to be mean to John. I want, I want to tell John who's coming. He wants to know who's coming. So yeah, that works. Okay, fine. I'll do it. Um, this is just a, this just is a big like overview of the process. You can't really read the details. It doesn't really matter because it's super iterative. Research, design, experiment, research, iterate, experiment, design, whatever order you want to put it in. Super iterative. You could see how just in that little, I was sort of condensed. We actually did some more like iterations beyond what I presented, but like that just shows like, especially on the growth team at Airbnb, how we, we, we were like, we'll just like try anything like, Hey, this sounds cool. We'll do an experiment. We'll learn from it. Do some research if we need to. User research, uh, and then iterate, iterate, iterate. So, um, wow, you can't even see it at all. It says takeaways somewhere. Anyway, so these are like takeaways, uh, overall lessons learned. Um, oh, this is like a process thing. Um, form strong relationships with all stakeholders to enable fast decision making. So I showed that graph where like everything was like connected to everybody. Um, it's, that's not that hard to do. Like, it, I think it's natural for small companies. Uh, Airbnb is a pretty big company now, so it's, I think it's pretty cool that we're, we're able to maintain that. And everybody knows that that's super important at Airbnb, so we, we try, like, we almost like bend over backwards to, to get rid of any hierarchy and decision making and empower everybody to be decision makers. Uh, a lot of decisions are made by, like, a five minute conversation with me, or for example, me and the product manager, or like a designer and an engineer or whatever. We don't have to, like, always get the product manager or any of our supervisors involved. We just figure it out ourselves. And, it, and, and then we try it. And if it doesn't work, like, nobody gets mad. Like, the fact that, that that one graph went down horribly, like, people weren't thrilled, but they were like, okay, cool. Like, we know we can move stuff, so awesome. Like, that was a good learning. <laughs> um, oh, another thing, like a sidebar, like, <laughs> everyone at Airbnb is super positive, like, super optimistic. It's sort of like a criteria for getting hired. So, like, <laughs> like everyone's just happy. It's weird. You get used to it. Um, yeah, okay, so this, I've been talking about this. Negative changes are okay because they help identify sensitivity, like, oh man, like, this, we can, we can change things with the design, but also inspire iterations. So like, when we saw that graph go down, we were like, my colleagues and I were like, oh, cool, like, we, we're all just excited to sketch ideas out, and like, this is great, like, even though it wasn't, like, great, we knew, we knew we were like pretty confident that we could get it, like, worst case, we could go back to where it was. Which wasn't that bad. So we were pretty confident though that we found, we were able to, we could find something that would improve things, which was good. Um, so if you have research, uh, or if you are a researcher, this is a good lesson, like for me personally, take a second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, look at the data, the research data, um, like, like I showed you, like the, the top three things we identified were actually like meaningless in the end. They didn't inspire motivation. It was only after we went back and like looked at the, at the data and thought about it a little bit more, like what 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 new can we add to this conversation? So we had this sort of had the data all along, and actually like if I I mean if I like to be a little critical, like I should have ignored those first three because they didn't they were just like like tautologies, like they didn't they didn't um, yeah they didn't add anything. So anyway, like. Research data is great. Go back and look at it if you have it. Um, I talked about this too, but like to increase motivation, a great source of that is external sources of pressure. So it's really hard to just like to internally mo- like self motivate people. Uh, I guess it can be done. 
Um, but if you can find some other source to do it, like you should do it because of the host, that uh, I think that just works better for motivation. Um, yeah, like this is another thing. Like this was a that project was a great learning for our team because this whole idea of like the one thing. Um, there's another. There's a, a great. There's a couple great blog posts. I think there's a book called The Jobs to Be Done Framework, which is pretty similar. It's this idea that like like every page or every screen or whatever has like one thing that like one main thing that you want users to do, um, one one ask, one request, whatever it is, one one thing that you want to happen. So uh, you should like strip away anything unnecessary and just get it straight to the point. Like, what's the one thing you want to happen on that page? <clears throat> um, yeah, so like I, I mentioned before, like the Facebook uh, growth team had like sort of developed this reputation, whether it was deserved or, deserved or not, and other growth teams have this reputation too. There's this thing called growth hacking, which is like, oh, it sounds so cool, and it's like, oh, hacking growth. Um, but like it has sort of negative connotations because it implies that you don't really care about the overall experience. You're just you're just taking shortcuts to like to um, to to get like an extra 10% signups, but. Um, so we do that. We make these tactical changes, like I showed you, little changes to the experience. But it's always with the goal, with the mindset of improving the overall experience. We never want to sacrifice the overall like user experience of like the, the service design almost of Airbnb, just to get like 10% more signups. That would be a total waste. So everything we do is like, are we actually helping users? We don't. We never want to like deceive users or whatever. Um, of course, why? Who would want to? There, that's it. <laughs> yeah, um, so questions? Anyone? That's all I have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking that trust must be very important to you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Both for the host and for the people who rent the place. Yeah. How do you, I mean, how do you enable that? Yeah. What do we do in your communication? Sure, yeah, I think um, one big source of trust is like, this isn't the best page, but um, the best example of it. But I think like we have like amazing visual designers, like just outstanding. So like I think one of the things we do for trust is just have a very like professional. Uh, we make everything very professional and polished, and I think that inspires trust. Just visual design. Uh, another thing regarding like the content or like what we write, we do a lot of things called copy experiments. Um, so for example, this one says, "Tell John who else is coming." Uh, We'll, like, it's in the works to experiment with this and try other other language right here. And just changing that text, I'm sure we'll we'll move things up and, and down a couple percent. Like, like if we said you should tell John who's coming, or like John wants to know who's coming. Like all these little things can can totally influence what people how people perceive that. Um, and I think ultimately it, it's trust. Like if they don't if they don't trust like what you're trying to get them to do, they're not going to do it. So I don't know. Does that sort of answer your question or? Yeah. Big picture. So let's say um, I got the new apartment. I'm moving in on the 1st of November. I have an extra room. Maybe mm-hmm. I should just rent out just one room. But do I, would I feel comfortable with living with someone for a few days? Mm. I mean, how do you create that trust? Oh, like uh, among potential hosts, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And also for the people who rent with me. Who, who, who knows? Maybe I'm a psychopath. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just asking about the trust um, yeah. in regards to Airbnb. Because let's say that I have this apartment and I have an extra room and I want to rent it out and make some money on it. So how do Airbnb makes me feel um, uh, trustworthy towards the people who will visit me and yeah. the other way around? Sure. Um, 
So I, most of my research is with the guest stuff, so that's what I can speak like to the most. I haven't done a lot of host-facing stuff. Um, but I know, like, so some of my colleagues that work, work on, like, the host side, so getting people to list their space and then, like, try to become hosts. They do, there's, like, a ton of research that goes into understanding, like, what people's potential concerns are, why they're worried, uh, you know, and then addressing those, like, through through either messaging that we have, like, like maybe it's throwing out a statistic, like, I, this isn't a real one. And it doesn't even exist, but it'd be like 90% of the people uh, on Airbnb are just like you, like like people that are just renting out their spare bedroom or something like that. So this idea of social proof, um, which is just saying like everyone else is doing it, um, basically, that's something that generally works um, for for the guests uh, and for the hosts. Um, we have this system, which is like down here, you can't even read it, uh, of reviews, right? So like um, reviews are one of the most powerful things just obviously in general on online platforms to create trust it's something that uh that that we uh yeah feel is super important on airbnb and also um one more thing for the hosts like hosts can decide like they can sort of set their filter for who they want to accept or who they don't want so you can like you can set it to just like friends of friends on facebook or there's a lot of control that we give hosts to to sort of like i think yeah, to sort of like ease them into the to the idea of hosting if they want to, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we could talk more. Yeah, it's a trick. That's like Thanks. the million dollar question: How do you inspire trust? Yeah. I should have done that. But anyway. <laughs> um, and Mia will coming around with the microphone so everybody can hear the question. Any other questions for Chris? Can I? Can I? What? Yep. Yeah, let's this one over there. Thanks. I just wanted to know, uh, in between these tests, how yeah. long uh, did you wait before implementing a new test? And oh, yeah. Uh, um, did you wait for an amount of unique users or what? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really good question. So, like, uh, like people that measure are teams that are working on bookings. Uh, they have to run their experiments for a lot longer because of, like, the seasonality or even, like, the weekly patterns of bookings. So, like, more people book on uh, certain days of the week. I don't know which, which days. But uh, for us, because we're focused on signups, we don't have that those patterns really to worry about. So we can run an experiment in like two days and get all the results we need. And then the time in between experiments is just however long it takes us to redesign and re-engineer the page, which, I don't know, could be a couple days, it could be like a couple weeks. It depends on like priorities and stuff like that. It's generally like as fast as we can do it. Uh, but yeah. Okay. And there's no A-B split testing? Or there's, sorry, no what? A-B split testing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything we do is, is like A-B testing. Okay. Um, yeah, I just didn't really show that level of complexity. But, like, like especially in the growth team, we don't launch anything without testing it. Like, everything is, is like a 50-50 test, or, or sometimes it's like a subgroup, like a 10-10 test. Um, but, yeah, we're always we – never, we never dare launch anything without testing it. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah. I can jump in with a question. I think we have time for a couple more if you have. Okay, yeah. uh, you said something in the beginning. Uh, mm -hmm. You said that growth comes from love. Yeah, yeah. The other way around. Is that kind of a company slogan together with being happy? or? Uh, it's. I think it's becoming one. Like. Um, and how I do you know. do it? I mean, wh how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you love? Oh. <laughs> well, that's like a huge question. And yeah. then, like, um, there's, so like, how do you measure love is an interesting question. Um, 
So like, like I said before, like most of the company is focused on nights booked. Like that's like the metric. That's a business metric. The growth team is worried about signups. That's a business metric. But that loses, that doesn't like, that's like a second or third order approximation for love. So we actually are, like some of my colleagues are working on ways to like measure guest love, we call it. So like, if any, if anything, that's more like the company, I guess like that, that slogan is, uh, I don't know, whatever. Like we are focused on love <laughs> and trying to like uh, cultivate and measure it among users um, and, and trying to like put it on equal footing to like nights booked or signups or whatever it is so that we don't just get focused, too focused on like business things and lose the forest through, through the trees. Um, In the meeting you talk about great signups, great feedback, great love. It's like one of these yeah, parameters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metrics. I think yeah. we don't have like a, like a, a formal way to, to talk about it now, but we definitely talk, always talk about, if not love, then like the holistic user experience. Like, oh uh, yeah, but we can't do that because it's like ruins the overall. Yeah. Like the cool part is, um, so I, all of this stuff was done with like, it was like me, maybe like two designers um, and, and like some engineers and all of us especially the design, one of the designers I was working with, she was great because she was super like, like uh, protective of the user, the overall holistic user experience, oh, yeah. which I think is important on the growth team because it's so easy, it's so like enticing to just chase the metrics, um, which, uh, which I don't know, if you don't have a, a focus on user experience, you might do. So anyway. Right. Oh, uh, just a question about, you were showing some graphs when presenting results. I was just curious because they're fluctuating at the same time. Yeah. So is that traffic source or is it Oh, you, like the, the one with like multiple colors? Yeah. This yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, okay. No, this is just like number of uh, number of guests per res on the reservation. So this is like if there's two people on the reservation, three, four, five, six, seven. So that just means like, so, why, so these are higher because if there's, this means there's only one co-traveler to add. So I guess naturally you would expect that to be higher. Here there's two co-travelers to add, three, four. So this is like, if you have to add six co-travelers, the number of people that add all six are, I mean, are lower than the number of people that add one. So this is just like breaking down the number of users. So like, so like we don't get to, we know that this is, this is gonna be like this. I mean, it's almost like a perfect mathematical function, the difference between these. We're more focused on like the change within each color as opposed to the differences between the colors. Okay. Hi. Um, regarding the testing and A-B testing, um, what, in, what in terms of uh, geography cultures, do you differentiate your testings and designs yep. for, the, for, the, for your global market? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, it depends. Sometimes if we want to do something super quick and we don't have time to get it translated, we'll just do it, like we'll just restrict it to anyone that's using the website in English. Um, but otherwise, generally, we, we always try to do stuff globally. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get it translated and then it's just like, 50% of the world. Um, yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, right. so, so you don't really differentiate uh, in terms of oh, love, oh, like, in terms like, of oh, trust? Yeah, no, sometimes we do. Like, it depends. Like, if, if the results are really interesting, um, like, here, this is, like, there's not, not much nuance here. It was, like, pretty black and white. But, like, but if, 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 like, if results are sort of neutral or we can't really understand why something's going on, that's, like, the next level of analysis that I, I showed that, that slide with like all the different people and the data scientists are the people, um, they're sort of like quantitative colleagues of mine. 
that would totally dig into that and say like, well, let's see if it's just a problem in the U.S. Is, there a, is it a, like a language problem that maybe we maybe the, the German version of of our copy isn't working very well? So like, yeah, definitely we if if called for, we'll definitely do like the like those like country specific analyses to see if we can figure out what's going on. Okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Um, a question yeah. uh, regarding the internal and uh, external stimuli. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's, of course, very interesting also. Because what I understand is, first and foremost, you were inspired by the social identity gaining uh, process of yeah. people sharing. And you and me and our buddies, we're going on this trip. We're going to share this information, and we're a team. And then you discover it's actually an external source uh, pushing them uh, towards be becoming motivated to to act in a certain way. And mm -hmm. are you still um, are then still feeling that internally it's still what drives them. But when they have to be motivated, it has to be like somebody wants you to tell their name and everything. Or yeah. do you think there's still the social identity aspect of it? No, I, I definitely think there's still the social identity part. I think it all adds up. Uh, if I can go back to this graph. Okay. So, like, um, so like, this is oversimplifies things, but, like, uh, okay, so I guess, I guess in this, we're talking about motivation. So, like, let's say the ball or whatever. We're, let's say we're here on the curve. So we have some motivation. And I think the intrinsic motivation is the stuff that, that's already there. Like, um, you should do this because it's convenient or because your, your co-travelers want it. I think that gets you, like, up here. And the problem is that we, like, if we just reinforce that, we don't really move anything. It's just, like, people stay here. They don't, they don't go down, but they just stay here. It's like, yeah, I know I should, but uh, I don't know. Um, uh, but once we, like, added, added some motivation, so we, we keep the original motivation. So we, we do tell people, like, your co-travelers would get a copy of this. But then we add this external source of motivation, like, you should do it for your host. And I, I mean, just to use this, like, framework, I think that gets us over the curve, that moves us up just enough to get us over the curve for some people. Obviously, we still haven't solved it for everybody, but, like, I don't know, does that answer the question? Like, yeah, so it's not, like, either or. It's yeah, yeah, like it's both. on top of social identity, yeah, yeah. and then you build a... Oh. For sure, for sure, yeah, <laughs> <Nice>. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty inspiring that you get excited about a downwards graph. You don't hear that too much. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm just wondering, um, I guess there are plenty of people within the company that wouldn't necessarily get that excited about seeing a downwards graph. Yeah. So do you keep that data within the project team until you can present something that's valuable, or do you sort of share it? And no, if that's so, a great point. how do you make sure that people understand why you get so excited about that downwards graph? Um, no, like, uh, yeah, I think we keep it close like um we wouldn't we wouldn't like show this to the ceo and be like oh we found a really like powerful mechanism for change like <laughs> it wouldn't work like um so yeah we keep it within our team and luckily like uh we have uh, our the product manager uh, of the growth team is like super um uh just like not judgy at all um so like when this happens I mean, of course, he's like, oh, we should do something about this, but not like, who messed up? It's not at all like that. Like, it's like, it's like, uh, okay, cool. Like, we know we can do that. And then I saw, yeah, it's definitely keeping it within that, but close-knit circle. Like, 
like that network I showed, like the PM is definitely part of that. Like he's like, I mean, we're all just like next to each other. And, you know, I think everybody sort of felt when, when this, when it's like this, we're like, it wasn't like, oh, that research was really bad or like, oh, that design was really not what we wanted. It's like, oh man, okay, we sort of misunderstood the problem. We misunderstood the problem. What can we do about it in response? Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, that's key. Just having people that are okay with this, with this sort of uncertainty, um, I think that's a criteria for people at Airbnb. But yeah, anyway. Mm -hmm. I can repeat. Oh yeah, get a copy of the slides. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you can stop me like if you want in the meantime, like at lunch, or whatever. I can, I'll be happy to show anybody. And also, um, the videos will be available online later. Thank you. Um, I'm just curious, do you always test on the live site, or do you also test on paper prototypes or anything Oh, like yeah, that? yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, we definitely do. Like, we always do. Like, we have this luxury uh, on Airbnb. We have, like, huge traffic volumes, uh, and, and we have a digital product, so we can... We have the luxury of being able to do these like live experiments, which is like, like, like it's like totally valid data. Like no one can argue with it. But before we get to that point, um, like I showed you that Skype thing I was doing. Like, I think, like we, sometimes we do like in-person interviews, and we literally might have like paper prototypes. Um, but like maybe the digital equivalent of that is is like if we're doing something remotely via Skype. The cool part about that about Skype is that we can be international really quickly we can just call people in the uk or whatever um but then we'll show like we'll just show like like a static image like actually that's exactly what i did like when when we got these results uh then i did this no actually it was this i mean i showed this exact it was just like an image like literally a static image that i showed to people via skype and asked for their sort of impressions of it so if it's if anything it's like lower fidelity than a paper prototype because there was no interactivity. It was just like an image that I asked for people's perceptions on. So, yeah, we we definitely do a lot of uh, research uh, before we launch stuff. Like, it's just, yeah, they go together. Do we have any more questions? Great questions. If no one else has something, I, I have something not related to this at all. Yeah. Could you tell us about the videos on your your starting page on Airbnb? <laughs> because I've been the wondering about videos of yeah, people yeah. in bed. How did, how did they get up with that? And what's how, the idea? How did they what? what the, the, uh, on the starting page of Airbnb, yeah, yeah. you see videos where people are sleeping and right. moving. Yeah, yeah. How, how did that come about? Yeah. Uh, how, do you know the story behind that? Uh, a little bit. Like, it was before my time, but, like, it was part of the rebrand. So Airbnb did this big rebrand, like, a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, and that was, like, part of it were these, like, full-screen videos. Um, like, I think it was just an idea that maybe, like, we have this um, art department. There are, like, people, like, graphic design people. It's not even UX designers, but, like, just graphic designers, like, photography and videographers and, uh, like, people who do illustrations. I actually think it was their idea. I don't know. Don't, like, quote me on that at all. But um, I think it was their idea. It was just, like, something cool. And yeah. then, um, like, it could be engaging. And they're sort of controversial, like, even within Airbnb, like, I think people think, oh, they're sort of cool, but other people are like, we could do so much, we could put other content there than these big, like, full-page videos that of people sleeping. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. That's it. Is that it? Yeah.
Thank you, Chris. Can we please give him a round of applause? Thank you. A bit of Denmark. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Wow. So I have three announcements. One is that um, coffee will be in a minute. It's a very Danish thing. We have to have it basically intravenously. A um, couple of minutes and coffee will be ready. And second of all, I'm really sorry about the lighting. It should get better as soon as the sun moves a little bit further along. So we've done what we could. We'll see. Um, third thing, completely forgot. Oh, I know what it is. I found a phone. Anybody missing a phone? Somebody with connections to Simon? Yeah? Okay, cool. Great. Well, please enjoy some coffee and see you in about 15 minutes.